Why are women leaving in record numbers? Why are they burning out? Why should we even care about that? Well, it is something that we're seeing in all industries, whether it's politics or corporations um, or even our TV and media people. I think women are burning out in record numbers. And the reason we should care is because we keep trying to solve it from the level of thinking that it's how we should lead better. Or maybe it's that's the pandemic, or maybe it's all these like small pressure points that we think that we can solve, but what we're not talking about is really how women have been taught to think and socialized to think and act and behave and how it's just getting to a boiling point when they reach really high levels of decision-making um, and it tips them over into absolute burnout. Yeah. And I think the really important part of that is as we see women leaving executive roles, as we see them leaving um, anywhere that decisions are being made, we lose out on the perspective they bring. And if they're bringing a perspective that includes all those pressures of how real people are living, we lose decisions that are made for families. We lose decisions that are made for women. We lose decisions that include their point of view and understanding and everything that they bring. I mean, we don't need another study, more research to tell us that decisions are made better and businesses are more effective and efficient and in turn higher profits when you have a more diverse set of people on your decision-making tables, right? Yeah. That is just something that I think we see as a given now. And yet the problem that we keep having is that I get calls from companies all the time saying, you know, we're doing all the, the things we're supposed to be doing, but our women aren't really ascending beyond management or they're, they're dropping out really in like large numbers once they hit this level. And it's almost as if they think it's like, I don't know what's going wrong. I have no idea, but we've never actually stopped and asked women, Hey, What's really going on that's having people step down and record numbers are saying, I don't have anything left in the tank. Like, why are their tanks emptying so quickly? Really good stuff, Emily. <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciate that. Um, I want to take a moment, Emily, now that you've given us a great uh, sort of like lead up to what we're going to talk about. Would you um, do me the honors of just like Giving, talking a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing of Emily Fair's coaching. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for having me here. I, I think this is such an important conversation and I love having it with another woman who is in decision-making roles and who has, you know, been in politics and been in those places as well. Um, so my name is Emily Fierce and... Yeah, I started coaching um, when I... Well, I started coaching back in 2008, but that's back like, you know, when Justin Bieber was just doing his first YouTube videos and we didn't have iPhones and I kind of didn't really know what to do with this whole thing of coaching. And, um, I ended up in politics just a few years later and it was while I was in politics that I really started to notice some trends of, um, when we're at boardroom tables and there was very few women around them, the conversations as everyone trickled out of the boardrooms would often be, you know, I had this great idea 
And I would always say, why, did, why didn't we share it in there? And I started to notice the answers that women gave as to why they weren't speaking up, why they weren't sharing, why they weren't putting forward their ideas had some really deep running themes. And um, as one of the women in chief staff, I started bringing together a lot of the other women who had questions. How do we do this? And we had this sort of like informal network of calling each other and helping and supporting. And I really realized that we actually needed to formalize this because yeah. there was a huge part of the conversation that was like, I shouldn't need help, but I'm calling because I do. Yeah. But men were having those same conversations just at the bar at 5 p.m. or while they're at the golf course. And like they were working those same things out and there wasn't any sense of shame about it. But women were really holding themselves to this level of like, I'm supposed to know how to do everything and I'm supposed to have an answer for everything. And that that was the idea of leadership. And, I, I, you know, I can totally relate to that. I mean, just because we we have had similar experiences being at very high levels in government, working for cabinet ministers and, you know, being at the decision-making table, I remember for myself as a gay woman of color walking into the attorney general's boardroom surrounded by all these people going, oh, you're here to listen to me? Right. And that pressure of I need to know everything. So that point yeah. about perfection yep. or you need to know what you need to know what you need to know yeah. or you need to know everything even though you didn't know about it yeah. and right away and right away and it was really overwhelming yeah. and so th the point that you're saying is like why did women feel like that or why do they always have a comment as they were leaving the off leaving uh, a meeting yep because they were felt it was safer to tell yeah. you one-on-one -on -one than in front of an audience yeah yeah well i mean I would play through the scenario of them speaking up at the table and they would think through their heads, well, if I'm going to say something, it needs to be really well thought out and I need to have every point articulated perfectly. You know, they basically had to create a whole deck on their point in their heads before they felt like it was okay to talk. But political conversations, as you know, go really, really quickly. Yeah. And so while, you know, five guys had thrown out things that just came off the top of their heads, they were still thinking all the way through what they wanted to say. Because as soon as they say something, you know, we've all been mansplained too. And that produces a lot of doubt in your mind of like, I, I really got to get it right. Um, I work with a lot of women who are either um, immigrants to Canada and or first generation Canadians. And they talk to me about the pressures they feel of like, not just on top of being a woman, but also being a woman of color or being a minority in some way and how much pressure that puts onto them to get it right. They really yeah. feel like they got to get it right. And I'm like, if I, as a white woman who was born in Canada, feel that way, like I can certainly yeah. understand how much more attuned you would need to be yeah. to getting it right and being perfect. So if you mess up, it's not yeah. seen doubly down on you as a problem. Well, I think that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned about how to formalize a community so that women can talk yep. and women can ask those questions in an environment where they feel like, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, you know, spoken down to in a pejorative way or, yeah. you know, where people are condescending or did you really ask me that question because you had that as a thought or were you just trying to question me? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think recognizing the need for that as it's okay. It's yeah. okay that we need those networks. Um, is really everyone important. needs them. Like I think that's the thing that no one talks about. Is like guys, everyone has them in some way, shape, or form. No one's supposed to know all the things. Yeah. 
And the way I really, um, you know, have taught leadership to women and really communicate with women is this idea of like, you're actually as the leader, not supposed to know it all. And when you try to know it all, you actually sink your ship, right? If you're a captain, your eyes are on the horizon and that's really where you can help the entire team get to where they're going. Yeah. But if you're also down in the kitchen testing the soup and you're also making sure that the control room's going okay or that the engineering is working or yeah. that the towels are fluffy in the guest room, knowing how every single aspect of the ship is going doesn't actually help you get to the destination faster because then there's no one up yeah. top looking to make sure you're eyes are still on the horizon and you're going yeah. in the right direction. Well, I, I'm, I'm so excited for you to be here and, and to share your knowledge and wisdom because you are someone who was a high level executive. You are someone who was in boardroom tables with many, you know, senior level people, top decision makers. And as a parent yourself with a young family balancing you know, high level, high, you know, intense jobs, um, that were very demanding while trying to manage a home life mm -hmm. while trying to, you know, all the different facets of being a woman, like yeah. maybe one thing that would be really helpful because I think this is a conversation that really needs to be explored mm -hmm. is I feel that there is a difference in, there is a double standard. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about what is that double standard? Yeah. And why, do, why, like, let's scratch beneath this, this, just get under the yeah. surface. Why, why is there a double standard? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know how much we've shaken off a lot of the, the old 1950s live it to beaver stuff. Like, I don't know how much we as a, as a society have really pulled back that layer, like you said, and said, Hey, is this still something we're consciously choosing? That is this still something that works for us yeah. and something that we want. You know, it's 2023 and women are still doing 60% of domestic health care. And we find that when you actually dig down into those statistics, even the things that the men are doing are like garbage and dishes and laundry, which are great and really helpful. But then the women are doing the cognitive load of things. And um, if you think about, if you had to hire stuff out in your home, you know, getting someone to do the dishes and the garbage, probably like the minimum wage jobs, getting someone to organize every single thing in your house. I mean, if you're going to hire a concierge to do that, like you're looking at six figures. Yeah. And so really thinking not just about the quantity, like how many hours is each partner putting in, but that certain things are going to be more of a cognitive load and are going to demand more energy than other things and really starting to look qualitatively at what we're doing. So that's like one part of it. Yeah. I think another part of it is that we as a society expect very different things from women than we do from men. Yeah. Whether that is how we look, you know, um, before we, we started rolling, we were chatting about, you know, breakfast TV host and how the woman was supposed to look very different than the expectations we have of how men look. And that is true across the board. Um, if you are a woman executive, you need to look a certain way. I mean, Hillary Clinton during the elections, like, I don't know how many conversations we had about her pantsuits. No one ever talked about what Trump was wearing. Yeah. Her. Yeah. No, it's totally true. <laughs> or how he looks really other than like, you know, did he lie on his physical exam? So I think it's like we hold such different standards in so many different areas. So then not only do women have to look perfect all the time, not only do they have to maybe say perfect things, yeah. 
in, you know, any time that they do bring an idea forward. So they need to have spend more time formulating their ideas and thinking about it. Um, women are also expected to take on these like small caregiver roles. And so again, a lot as companies call me and ask for my support and really helping their women grow into the leadership roles, the thing I'm finding is that women are raising their hands to run the employee research group or the diversity um, and equality groups because the management is saying, well, we don't have time for that, right? We, we, want, we want that to be a collective thing from the bottom and you come and report to us. And women put up their hands because they think it's important, but they're also taking on more of these things because we've been, you know, cultured to do that. Right, right. We've been cultured to be helpers and caregivers. And we've also really been socialized in a way that has us look outside of ourselves and say, well, what do they need before we tune in and say, what do I need or want? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And so all of these factors, plus many more I haven't even got into, but like, even if you just thought about those factors, yeah, all of those are extra, I almost think of them as like plates yeah. that women are spinning all the time. Yeah. And so if we're constantly trying to spin them and thinking that they need to not just be good, but be like perfect. Yeah. Well, like you just, as you ascend the decision-making levels, right? Or ascend corporate ranks or ascend whatever, you get more and more plates. And there becomes a point at which you cannot keep spinning all those plates. And I've had those moments. Like yeah. I remember being pregnant, having a young kid at home. Um, my policy advisor on housing was on his paternity leave and I had just come back, um, from my maternity leave and housing was like the big crisis issue of the day. And I remember like lying on the floor in my living room with my kid crawling on me, crying, being like, what am I going to do? How am I going to, like, I really felt like the pressure was all on me yeah. to do it. And it took a lot of those conversations with amazing other women who were chiefs of staff to help me get out of that. Even though I had all the tools that I have and, you know, knew what I knew um, in terms of leadership, it's, I still needed other support because the pressure of those situations really has us think yeah. and believe that it is true, that it is all on us when it rarely actually is. Well, yeah. And I, and I mean, I think, you know, even when the conversation that we had just before we were rolling was about how women, all the facets of a woman, like, yeah. um, being a professional, being yep. top of your game, yep. being a mother, being top of, you know, packing the lunches. Right. And I mean, what was it? Was it Eva Mendez or something who did a post about, oh, I packed these secret notes into my my kids when I'm making their Just lunch. Super add another plate and then so the spinning. Like, I'm being the, the parent. And then someone made a comment. You're not a working parent. Yeah. And I, I thought that was interesting because it was more like who has the time or the privilege to work on some of these things. Yeah. Right. And so I think the other thing too was, you know, being the sexy woman in the bedroom, right. being the lady on the streets, on the streets, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. we, like if we just acknowledge that, that's yeah. something that's really important yep. because if we just pull back the layers a little bit and say, wow, I am wearing multiple hats. And when you go into a room, what you were saying about how, well, you look at what other people's needs are. And that's one thing that's a really great skill set for women because they can mm -hmm. look at the dynamics and kind of be the glue that brings people together, which is what makes them amazing leaders because yeah. they have great listening, great, mm -hmm. um, you know, awareness and, and compassion and empathy and all that stuff that 
makes people go, yes, I I want to work because I know when I have worked with, I've always chosen to work with very strong women leaders Mm -hmm. because I was like, what are you doing that's doing that that is different? You are successful. How can I learn from you? And that was one of those greatest skills of the listening and reflecting and bringing it back. Mm -hmm. However, we also live in a society where, you know, we were talking about women leaders who are now stepping down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and the comments that people are making, like, and I don't know, maybe we should take, we've kind of unpacked a little bit about the need to be perfect. The many faces, Mm -hmm. the many, um, boxes that we try to squeeze ourselves into, but how do we address this? Like, or maybe like, what's that underlying issue? Because we are seeing women who are ascending to like levels of government that are higher, like our first premier are, you know, like around the world, we have female prime ministers, female, you know, all of these things, but then something happens and we see a record number of these women saying, wait, yeah, I got to step back. So I think it's a little bit of um, what got you here isn't going to get you there. And so especially high achieving women tends to overlap with perfectionism and it, and and our ability to actually do a lot and to read the room and to meet everyone's needs is really what helps make us successful in those early days. It right. really helps us get to that, that level. And then, like I said, once you have a lot of spinning plates, you just can't add any more spinning plates. And so it's really shifting from being the person who could run to every room on the ship and check how everything was doing to being the person who says, actually, I'm going to just look at the horizon. I'm just going to keep this going. And if you have questions, I'll be here. But my job is to help you see how what you're doing contributes to us moving forward, not to tell you how to do your job. And a lot of women come to me saying, you know, I call it the answer oracle. You become the person in your office that everyone goes to. Okay. You're the go-to person to figure out, oh, you know, how do I do this? Or Lee, how do I do this? Or how do I, I I forgot how to do that. You know, like I forgot how to attach a document to an email. (laughs) I forgot how to, where do we keep that? Right. Is that a good or a bad thing to be the answer oracle? I say it's a bad thing. Okay for many reasons. You want your team to be incredibly resourceful. You want them to figure it out. It gives them the skills so that they can descend to the next level. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, And I also think it helps with the knowledge sharing. And that's a big part of how we develop women. We want to knowledge share, not by just telling them how we did it, by helping them find their own path to get there. Right. And a lot of times though, when we're have so many plates that we're spinning, it feels like we don't have the time to slow down, put some plates down and say, okay, I'm going to help you figure this out. Because we also need to look at that as um, allowing them to struggle, letting that be okay. That's how we figured it out was through a little bit of struggle. Like you have kids watching them stack blocks and having it fall over again and again and again, you want to be like, I'll just, I'll make a stable base for you. And then you can stack it higher instead of being like, Hmm, I wonder how we could build this differently. I wonder how we could build a stronger tower. Right. And so it's really uh, a deconditioning of a lot of these things of women not needing to caretake for other people's emotions and use their actions to solve for other people's emotions when they are struggling or having a hard time so that we're not saying, Hey, I'll solve it for you. Yeah. Um, it is, um, really stepping back and finding our value 
is in the perspectives we hold and the knowledge and our, in our own genius. Like I really believe that everyone who comes to the table with their own genius. Yeah. And if we as the decision maker are creating all the decisions and having all the answer, I'm going to miss out on your genius and your genius and your genius yeah. and your genius. Like it didn't matter to me if you were the scheduler or the driver or, you know, whatever role people played director communications. It didn't matter. I wanted to hear from you because you had a perspective that I knew had genius in it. And that was really what helped teams that I were in like become resilient, become high functioning, high capacity teams because everyone was there saying, my ideas matter and I'm going to put something forward. Yeah. And it's going to be listened to. Yeah. And it's going to contribute. And even if they don't use my idea, they heard it, right? Yeah. And you talked about a lot of the qualities that you really enjoyed in women as leaders. Um, and again, we go back to the research and the research shows time and time again, the most effective leaders have qualities that we recognize as being things that we see more often in women. The women who had a lot of the best outcomes in COVID in terms of leading their countries were women who led from a lot of those leadership qualities. And it's so interesting because Here's where a lot of the crux of the work that I come into is that a lot of what we are taught about in leadership is rooted in a male perspective. And so we're teaching men to become more like women. And a lot of the leadership has been teaching women to become less like women and more like men. Right. How do we make women more assertive? How do we make women right. speak up more? How do we make them more commanding yeah. in a room? Yeah. And then we find through the research, actually, what we need is more empathy, more listening, more uh, understanding and, and more of those communication-like skills. And so we try and teach men to be in that. And it's this weird thing that kind of I see happens where women are either being told they need to be more like a man in order to be a good leader, or they're going into leadership that is rooted from the male perspective. And so they're telling them to be more like a woman, but they're already skewed that way. And so they think, oh, I'm not doing a good job at leading or listening. I need to do a better job at listening. Right. And they already brought that. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, this idea of the servant leader, the leaders who eat last has been something that I see circulated by a lot of men in leadership coaching. And it's great for men to have them skew that way, but women are already so far skewed right. that way. It's like context. It's like exactly. where, people, where are people starting points? Yeah. It's different places. Exactly. And so taking that into consideration, it's not yeah. one size fits all, right? Yeah. So I think it's it's really honing in on what are the ways in which women were socialized mm -hmm. that have gotten them this level of success, but isn't what's going to get them to the next level of leadership. I think that's one piece. And then the second piece is really some truth telling. And that comes back to the expectations that, that we have of ourselves. And for women to start saying, I was laying on the floor crying because I didn't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And telling the truth about that and saying, I need help. I'm not perfect. I'm struggling in these ways. We have been conditioned so much to hold that in when we get to a certain level of success. And then, you know, like how many magazines have in the summertime photos of celebrities in their bikinis saying, look at their cellulite, look at their smoke. Yeah. Is this idea that like ever, any part of you that you don't love is going to be blown up into, you know, 30 times magnification. Yeah. Someone's going to pick it apart. Yeah. And I think it's a moment of like, do, is this what we want as a culture within our company, as a culture within our communities yeah. as a culture within our families yeah. and deciding that 
we would rather have imperfect leadership or imperfect people yeah. doing a really good job and able to do it for the long haul than yeah. having perfect people that can only do it for a flash in the pan. Well, I, I mean, and I think that's all really good points. Like one of the things that I'm thinking about is we've talked about, you know, what the individual needs to do. Yeah. But we also know that you are created by your village or, yep. you know, the, your supports around you have yeah. a big impact. Yep. And so I know with a lot of my friends who are in leadership roles or even like what I have observed is I might meet really amazing women who are, have these really strong ideals and they might be like, I'm bucking against my culture. I'm bucking against all the stereotypes I've been told. But then they kind of fold into it because society has created yeah. a road that is so difficult to rejig that road, right? Mm -hmm. And that, well, my partner is not supportive. Like, yeah. and we see yep. this also in politics oh, where yeah. when we see women who have young families, yeah. like, it doesn't go both ways. Like men who have young families and women, like it's a reality, yeah. right? And 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 I've seen it time and time again. And a lot of those relationships which aren't, which aren't talked about, yeah. those relationships are suffering yeah. and quote unquote fail. And then you have a single parent right. situation. And then there's this it like, really cuts you out of don't talk about that. Yeah. Because yeah. I have to be perfect. Back to that, right? Yeah. So what, how, like, so we have, like you've talked about like supporting women mm -hmm. and in through coaching, but how, what can we do for the ecosystem? Like there are so many, I don't know. I'm, I just want to put that out there. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah. So it really is, as you said, like individual support. I also have group calls that I have for all my clients and I say it so for that your what? for all of my clients, they have a group call where they can come and meet all the rest of my clients. Okay. And I say like, that's our truth telling moment. That's really the moment where we talk about what, what do we want as expectations? Like what are our actual expectations? Because we rarely define what success looks like for us. And so it's just this like vague thing that we're working towards. Yeah. And since we don't know, it's a goalpost that can be constantly moved out. Right. 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 And um, so part of those calls are really having other people who are in high level positions to, to see as examples of, oh, they're feeding their kids peanut butter sandwiches for dinner every night. And they're okay with it. Like, oh, maybe I could yeah. try that for a little bit, you know? Um, like they don't have to become, go work all day, you know, manage a whole team and then come home and, and put the pot roast on yes. and, and put a Sunday dinner on. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and so I think eroding some of the, um, those standards of spinning plates we talked about, like eroding the belief that we actually need to have all of those plates going at any one time is a, is a start that you can do with your friend group. You can do it within your family. Yeah. You can do it within your communities. Um, and you can do it at like, I think we don't realize how many circles we actually have. And it takes a lot of vulnerability to say like, I feed my kids peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every night. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And like, and that's just where I'm at right now. Um, so I think that's, that's one big part of it. And then the second part is really like why we also need women in decision-making roles is that we can start putting in place, whether it's in our communities or in our policies or in the way that we do things, better supports and better communication, right? Like, Again, I think we need to start telling the truth that like women aren't doing okay, mm -hmm. that we have 
put a great layer of, you know, highlighter to gloss over the fact that we're struggling. We're really, really struggling. Right. That women aren't doing okay is what you mean. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. That they aren't doing okay. I think we need to start talking about that. Not just when women step down and then we say, well, it's the pandemic. Yeah. It's still hard. Like, I think we just keep excuses. thinking. Exactly. They're excuses. And they're these like, you know, small things, not even, I would, Sorry, I, I don't want to say them. they're small, but they're like isolated, I think is what I mean. Isolated things of like, oh, well, it's um, childcare. So we need to get more childcare. Or it's this one thing over here, or it's it's meals, or it's society's expectations around working out for women or whatever. And instead start to be like, actually, it's, it is just how we talk to women and engage with women. Full stop, full, like just... If the news every day wasn't about women are stepping down and they're going to spend more time with their family and isn't that great because that's really where they should be. Right. But we like, um, like, you know, reinforcing a stereotype yeah. which perpetuates itself. Yeah. yeah. But instead if the, you know, um, woman who's running a company showed up in a messy mom bun and said like, I haven't showered in three days. Because that's, you know, what I have to do to get this stuff done. Or like, is like, you know what? I did shower today, but it meant that my kids haven't had a bath for three days. Like, and making all of that okay. Yeah. We are human. Yeah. And we're expecting ourselves to be completely at a level above. Yeah. And we're not giving ourselves the compassion of the fact that we are, in fact, human and have human needs. One of the first things I work on with a lot of the women I work with is going pee again on a regular schedule how much they have denied their body's own needs for something as regular as going pee. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's because it's just like, I can't, Oh, I have to rush between this meeting and that meeting. And, you know, I think working from home has helped alleviate a lot of that sort of by function of not having to run to a boardroom and find a bathroom for women on, you know, on the way back. But really it's like these basic needs that we were eroding of our own selves, mm. what matters to us, because we're looking around and saying, what does everyone else need? And I'll meet that first. Right. So, so what's your tip there that we need to start by looking at what our needs are and not trying yeah. to be like, um, you know, water and kind of taking the form of the vessel that we're poured into, right. but that we're like trying to define, this is what I need. Yeah. And in order for us, like, yeah. what would be a tip? Yeah. So I think, Women have uh, have often looked at going, let's say, going to yoga. It's just like a really common example, right? Oh, I go to yoga. I got to like get the yoga pants. Oh, they have cat hair all over them. Like, oh, crap. You know, like you start going through all these things mentally and like, and then I'm going to have to get a husband to look at the kids and I'm going to have to get the food ready first. And then like you go through and it starts being this like, it's going to be more mess than it's worth or more problem than it's worth. Or even if all of that's taken care of, then it becomes, well, is it really going to be worth it? I have trouble calming my mind down and I have trouble doing this. And so we start viewing the actual things that we would want through this. Is it worth it really lens? Instead of saying, it's not about the activity at all. It's about what doing the activity and declaring that you're going to do something for yourself says to you about you. And when you start to say, I don't care if I just lay in Shavasana for the entire yoga class. <laughs> the point is that I'm 
I am declaring that I am worth leaving the house for an hour for, and everyone else needs to figure themselves out. I can totally relate to that. I mean, for so long, I was always like taking care of everyone and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I, I shouldn't time block. And I finally was like, I need to get back to swimming. And I actually signed up for a one hour swimming class and it was like the best thing ever, right? Like it's on a Sunday morning and I realized like, oh, this is something that's for me. And after I did it, I felt awesome. Yes. But for everything that you just said right now, that's exactly what went through my head. Yeah. Is it worth it? Oh, but then, you know, then the kids are going to be this and then I have to do this. And we start... I don't know if it's qualifying or questioning and we just kind of, well, it's easier to not shake the book. Exactly. And it's denial of yourself. Like how, how many other women are facing that who are mid-level, senior level parts of their career where they're just like, I've stretched myself and I've tried to mold myself into different shapes that I just can't do anymore. I'm just, I have nothing left. Yes. And we've heard this refrain on so pouring in, yeah, just pouring out, you know, yeah. um, and yeah, exactly, because they're not really filling themselves up. Yeah, you know, a big goal for a lot of the women when we first start working together, we talk about goals. They're like, I just want to read a book for like a little bit. You know, something as basic as that feels unattainable for them, and that I think is just so telling of. You know, men are going to find two or three hours to watch sports and that's not a problem, but we can't find, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour to read a book like that's and a nonfiction book or sorry, a fiction book, you know, not yeah. a nonfiction. You're like improving yourself or learning yeah. and getting better. It's like really just oh, like a time to exhale. And I don't think that's what we're giving ourselves. Um, and I think when we reframe it as to like, what skills will you learn? What things will you need to figure out in order to start stepping back and handing back some of those plates to other people that were never your plates in the first place? Right. So for you, even just going swimming, it's like, the things you had to learn how to figure out and navigate in terms of conversations with your partner or your kids, yeah. in terms of getting yourself ready and, and you know, giving yourself the time to get your swimsuit or get all the stuff that you need. All of that are skills that then help you when you go to work or yeah. when you're managing other parts of your life with your family or your partner yeah. or your friendships. Yeah. Because you start to see how you never really needed to be doing a lot of that. Well, the irony of it is I was not asking for it myself because I was so deep into, I got to do this, I got to do that. And it was my wife who was like, Lee, you need to do something for you. And I was like, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm always so busy. I'm working nonstop. We live in a world where like for me, as a realtor, my phone is often like my gateway. It's not nine to five. It's all all the time. And I was trying to put some boundaries around it. And finally, my wife was like, Lee, no, I'm going to sign you up. So she did it and she signed it up for me. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. But then when I did, I'm like, this is awesome. So having a support system of people who care and recognize you need this is helpful. But what about people who don't necessarily have that in a partner or a circle because I also think that there's some people who are just I'm just trying to survive and I have to do this all on my own yeah yeah like what would you like you know how do we give them something that a nugget that they could try and work with you know yeah well I'd say again step one tell the truth tell the truth that it feels hard because it is hard yeah Uh, tell the truth yeah and that 
you're not like, it was never supposed to feel easy. Yeah. You know, I use the analogy of running a marathon all the time. If you are running a marathon and every step you're like, oh, my legs feel heavier. Oh, I'm breathing hard. Or like, oh, my heart is pounding. And you're like, why does this feel so hard the whole time? You're going to start thinking that something's wrong with you, right? This is a a really well-known phenomenon, especially with women, psychologically speaking. So my background is actually in psychology. So I bring a lot of like how the brain works and research into my work. And one of the things that women are are well known to do is to um, create something as as like personifying it. So it's like something is hard. Like if you're running a marathon, and it's hard because it's hard because you're running a really long distance, not because something's wrong with you, but our tendency is to think this is a me thing. I'm doing it wrong, and mm-hmm. that's part of the truth telling. Right? Is like actually it's not. This feels hard because it is hard. This feels like a lot because it is a lot. Mm-hmm. And stepping back and really seeing the amount of things that you're doing and the amount of plates that you actually have spinning. Yeah. When you're in it and your head is down, you're only looking at the plate in front of you and you're forgetting that you're actually spinning all of these other plates. Yeah. And so when you can actually acknowledge, whoa, there's a lot of plates here. That's the first step. You're just starting to see the lay of the land. Step back. Yeah. Be honest with yourself of all the things that you're doing. Yeah. Because the narrative is, I'm, it's not enough. I'm not doing enough. I got to do yeah. more in order to be enough. Yeah. Um, so you're not actually seeing all the things that you're doing. So sometimes I'll have people like write down, like, what are all the things you do over the course of a week or a month? So you're really capturing all of the things. And even if it's just like shoveling your neighbor's walkway or, um, you know, playing with your neighbor's kid or all of those little like little small things, like capture them all so you can really start to see what's going on. Mm, that's actually really good because I think we minimize. Oh, I don't know if that's fair to say. Yeah. I feel like, oh no, that's not a big deal. Yes. But it is a big deal. Right. Well, and especially if you take 20 not big deals, that's a lot of not big deals stacked on top of each other, right? Yeah. Um. So when you start to see the quantity of what you're doing, you can start really being honest with yourself of like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. That's why it feels overwhelming because it is overwhelming. I'm literally overwhelming my system with the number of things that I either am keeping track of in my head or I'm like physically doing or both. And then once you really have a clear picture, that's when you can start questioning, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? What drives me? Yeah. We tend to focus on the behavior, which is so surface level and think that that is, again, we either personify, oh, I am a perfectionist or I am a procrastinator. I am, you know, a disorganized hot mess. Like, right. We see the um, issue of messiness as like, it's who I am and I can't get myself together enough to really have a clean house. Yeah. It's actually not a personal thing. It's a behavior that speaks to either an underlying need that's not met or an underlying strategy that you're using that worked for you in the past. So if you're running out the day, the, the house in the morning and you're grabbing things and you're moving really quickly and you're managing a lot of things, like it makes sense. I always say like math doesn't have as much drama as we put in our own stories in our head. And so like, look at the math equation. If that's what you're putting in, it makes sense that you're getting out a messy house and that's okay. Like that makes sense. And is that a plate that you want to keep spinning of having this expectation of a clean home? Because even if you're not spinning it and meaning by spinning it, even if you're not 
keeping the plate up there and actually having a clean home, you're still putting the effort of like, I should be, I should be, I should, should be. be. I should like, be. I mean, I that image be. of a plate spinning on a stick where you're just rapidly running through to yeah. like, okay, keep this up. Got to do this. Got to do this. It's, it's so exhausting. Yes. And I think that's really the crux of the burnout is women are handed more plates by society to keep spinning. And then we believe them when they say this is yours to spin. And so when we look at how many we actually have and we stop believing that they're all ours, just full stop, like, might it be true that not every one of these plates needs to be spun by me in this moment in time in my life? Yeah. And then that's when you can start to say like, if I got to choose which plates, which plates do I want to go in first? Like a lot of the work I do with women too is like your values. Like who do you want to be? Who yeah. do you want to show up in the world? What's the thing that you actually want to put your time and energy into being? And they'll talk about family and health and connection. And I say, you know, and then we'll go through the top 10 and it'll be like orderly house is, you know, maybe down at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. And so it's like, okay, so in these moments where the laundry's laying all over the floor and your friend who you have an amazing connection that just fills you up called, you say no to the laundry and yes to the connection. Right. It's like who fills your bucket or what fills your bucket. Right. And it's usually things that you value most. Right. Yeah. And so redeciding those things of like, oh, I can leave the laundry on the floor. Or um, I had a client who like really wanted to work out in the morning, but the second she woke up, she saw all the things in the house that she was supposed to do. And we went through her values and how she was actually spending her time. She was spending the time in the bottom half of her values because she thought if she achieved those things, then she'd have access to the top half of her values of like family and health and wellness. Right. And it's, no, it's actually not usually the work, the leadership, the um, like organization, all of that, that actually gives you those good feelings. We think they are because that's the bill of goods that we've been sold. Yeah, for sure. You have a nice house. Oh, then won't it feel nice? Once your kids are happy, oh, won't then it feel nice? Once you, you know, have yeah. everything settled, then you can focus on your relationship. No. Yeah. That's it's so validating for you right now. I'm just like, those are the things that like are in the back of my mind because, you know, having a young family and you, you know what it's like, yeah. the minute you put the toys away, the kid comes and yeah. dumps everything out. And I just feel like it stresses me out. Like, yeah. it's like you're constantly, all you're doing is just constantly following and picking up. And yeah. I was always constantly fighting that and feeling like, oh my goodness, yes. you know? And finally I just, you know, like my wife was like, Lee, we've been sold a bill of goods. Yeah. We are, we are trying to adapt ourselves to something that is from like the fifties and you can't be a good professional. You can't be a good parent. You can't be, you know, all at the same time. You have 24 yeah. hours in a day. You've got to work all this time. Mm -hmm. Your hours are stretched out. You've yeah. got to build, make food. Yeah. You've got to play with the kids. You've got to spend time with the family. Yeah. How can you do all of that within 24 hours yeah. and then sleep? Right. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Like it's, it's shifting the dynamic up yeah. and changing things yeah. and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. You know, you know, we keep getting told, well, we all have the same amount of 24 hours in a day as like, you know, Beyonce does, but like, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. Yeah. 
it's, it's just fundamentally we don't, because if you don't have the same level of help doing the things that get done in 24 hours yeah. a day, you don't have the same number of hours in a day. If you need to take transit to get to your job instead of being able to drive or walk, yeah. you don't have the same number of hours in a day. We really have to start telling the truth about all of those things. And I feel like that's part of what's happening that we see in the workforce right now. Mm. When people are pushing back against the idea of going back into the office and against the like rigid nine to five standards we really yeah. had before. People are pushing back. I don't know if we've really clearly articulated yet yeah. that it is a lot of like, because it was unmanageable, but we didn't know that an alternative existed because we were told that it didn't. Yeah. I remember working in economic development and at the time we also had the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. And our minister at the time was talking to businesses about, let's make your business more accessible. And I just mean like help them have remote work, set people up so they can yeah. work from home where they yeah. have it. You don't have to build wheelchair ramps and do all the things yeah. in every single business, but how can you hire yeah. people with disabilities and include them? And they just give me like, I can't be done. Can't be done. Remote work can't be done. And like that was, you know, a bit of a laugh um, come the first few months of COVID. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was like, we were told the same thing as families that can't be done. You just have to get, you know, longer hours. You just get a nanny. If you can't fit within the daycare hours, you got to get a nanny. And if you can't get a nanny, you're not making enough money. And if you're not making enough money, you got to do better right. job at work. It's like a cycle, a hamster, you're on the hamster wheel. Yep. And it's yeah. a perfect trap that we set up for women, working parents, um, for so many people, it was just this perfect trap of like, you run into a wall and you'd go in this way and you run into that wall and you go in this way and you run into that wall. And we couldn't escape it until we could start telling the truth that it wasn't really working for anyone except for some rich white men, really. Yeah. No, I mean, like, this is just so helpful because I think as other people watch this and go, there are pieces I can relate to or there's things, you know, it's just validating yeah because i think a lot of people are at home maybe washing the dishes and saying okay i better do something productive and listen to a podcast right because washing and the, do dish something, the dishes right? and that's another big piece too um i'm so glad you brought that up is because a lot of the domestic tasks that we have at home are things that we consider to not be productive right like oh, I, I, these are just things we have to get done um and they're devalued in in the ranking. It's like work is the important thing. When you, you go out and make the bacon and that's the important thing. And then the unimportant things or the less productive things are caring for others, are caring for your house, are doing a lot of those caregiving roles. And as a result, we as women are subtly, constantly taking in this message of the things that we do a lot of aren't really valuable. And as a result, we really don't think of our time as being that valuable. And we give it out in large quantities as a result. We, because in order to have value, you know, if everything that we do is worth a penny, you got to do a lot in order to get to a dollar. Whereas men are told, like, you sit and you think, and that's worth a loony. And that doesn't take a lot of time necessarily, but they can do it. And, you know, that's why they can leave the office by five is because like, well, I feel like I've done enough for today because I've been told that my contribution is my brain and the things that I bring to the table as a result of that. Yeah. Women are told the contribution you bring is in all you're doing and the quantity of things that you do because it's not quality things. Yeah. That's the noise, right? That is infiltrating every thought yeah. that people have. Yeah. 
And so that I think that's why so many women try and, and ascend higher levels through quantity. They solve yeah. for all those problems through like, I'll just do more work. I'll just work, work longer hours. And it really is a bit of a mind twist. Like when I coach women and I'm like, I want you to solve this problem, but you can't do it by doing more hours. And they're like, no, no, no. I got, okay, I have to do more actions and less hours or something. It's like, no, 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 not even quantity. Quantity cannot be the way you solve for this. And this is really how we like reduce their hours working a week because they haven't ever thought through the paradigm of how do I create value or get a problem solved or do work in a way that I'm not using my hours or the quantity of things that I do to solve for that problem. And to think instead of like, how could I do it more high quality without using hours? And it's, that's really getting to the crux of it, right? Like don't take on more, figure out how you can like minimize, but maximize like what you're doing. Right. And I think that's really valuable because I I don't think we value ourselves as, as women in that way that our time is money. Like one of the things that you know, like I'll get stuck on phone calls and it'll just keep going on. But I'm yeah. like, I got to go to the next thing. Like, yeah. I, But yeah. when I talk to, for instance, I don't know, like there'll be men, okay, got to go. And yeah. no problem. Yeah. And it's just stating what you need. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's not really, that's learning a skill set yep. that I wasn't necessarily like taught, but like, oh, but you should be open. You should be listening. You're taking care of their feelings because you don't want them to feel bad about the fact that you're like, I gotta go. And they're like, how rude. Yes. There's an expectation of how women are supposed to act. And it is always taking care of someone else's feelings in some kind of way. Right. Yeah. So so acknowledging that. Polite. If we're not kind and we're not doing, I mean, yeah. Again, go back to the research. How many times are women when they are more assertive actually punished for that? Or women do exactly the same things that men do and they're punished or cut down or being told that they're shriller. I think it is, um, what's it's, Again, less trying to be like a man and more just like doing it in your own way, but without needing to care, like care taking of the other person. You got to care because you're a human and that was what feels good for you. But I think it's finding you don't have to swing to one extreme or the other. And both things can be true. Yeah. Again, it's like, can you have boundaries, be incredibly boundaried with the amount of time that you give to things and also be incredibly compassionate? And how can you hold those things at the same time instead of thinking, if I have boundaries, I'm going to be the bitchy woman or a jerk or my neighbor is going to think poorly of me. Yeah. And instead going, okay, that is just a narrative. That's the bill of goods I've been sold. That's not what I want. Yeah. How can I hold both at the same time? How can I be true to who I want to be as mm. a leader or as a, someone in my community or a mom or a partner? And how can I have this other thing, this boundary for me? How can I be a firm leader and a kind leader? And just knowing that both those things are true instead of thinking it has to be this or it has to be Right, that. in binaries. Like instead of thinking about in binaries, it's thinking about, you know, really understanding the value set and focusing on those values that kind of help build you up. Yeah. 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 It's always interesting doing an audit of someone's day as they're running it and saying, okay, so we've mapped out exactly what you do every day. If I were to go through those and figure out what it is that you value based on how you're spending time, like what would we see? And it's like, oh, well, I guess I value a clean house. I guess I value, um, you know, 
like my um, my work a lot. I guess I value my email. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I value responsiveness. And then, and then I just ask, you know, but what do you actually want to value? It's like, oh, time with family. Like, oh, you just got like 15 minutes in there with your partner at the end of the day. Like, yeah. is that enough? Yeah. But you spend three hours on email and it's like, we think we have to have yeah, it that totally. way. But again, going back to the swimming, it's like, but if you flip it and you have to figure out the skills required yeah. to make it workable when it's flipped. Yeah. That is thinking in terms of quality, not in terms of quantity with your day. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's really important because I think when I started thinking about these things of what matters, I didn't want my daughter to be like, oh, you're always on your phone. So we have like a no phone rule at dinner time. Like literally I time block like from five o'clock till I put them to bed. Like, nope, I'm out. Like yeah. my family comes first. Yeah. I read books to, you know, and then after, okay, I'll, come, I'll log back in and, and check things out because I don't want my child to grow up thinking the most important thing is my phone. Yeah. And it's unfortunately prevalent simply because my phone is my computer. Yeah. In so many ways. Yeah. And I've we have to moments. model that. Yeah. I've had those moments where I remember um, when my eldest was just a toddler and he wanted me to go see a fort that he had built. And I remember him saying, it's okay, mama, you can bring your phone. And I was like, Oh, right, right. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like, all right, I'm going to put the Blackberry down. I'm going to step away. Um, and really having to be like, no, actually, you matter more. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I think we've all had those moments. And it's just being able to take those instead of being filled with shame about why can't I do it all, being like, oh, okay, yeah. what really matters to me in this moment? And what do I need to figure out in terms of what? doesn't actually matter anymore or that I don't care about as much anymore Yeah, in order to make it work yeah. in line with my values. No, totally. Emily, this has been so amazing. Like I've really, really appreciated our conversation. Me too. Um, you bring so much knowledge, so much wisdom and so much compassion. Like I've seen you work with so many leaders and creating space and creating you know, an opportunity for people to reflect, but also to hold a mirror up to say, well, what matters to you? Yeah. Right. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. And I mean, I don't know, are there any parting thoughts that you have? Um, you know, I think it's just, again, tell the truth um, to you and the people around you about what really matters, what you really want, what no longer matters to you. The process of doing that is incredibly liberating. It feels scary in the moment for sure, yeah. but it's so liberating and that you get to like unzip the lead suit you've been wearing and realize you don't actually need to carry it around anymore. It was never yours yeah. to wear in the first place. Um, and that, you know, if women resonate with a lot of these messages, like you can follow me on Instagram. You can come check me out on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you'll put all the links in the show notes, but really that it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. It really doesn't have to be this way. And like, that is what I think a lot of the women come to me is like, this is the biggest gift that they've ever given themselves is having someone support them in this way. Cause I don't know when the last time you had support was, but like, can we think of the last time we had someone fully support us with what we want to achieve yeah for, you know, an extended period of time, like that is something that a lot of women never give to themselves. But once they have it, it's like, oh, like sinking yeah. into a deep couch. Totally. So yeah, I would just say, don't, if something resonates with you, follow that thread. Yeah. 
allow it to be okay that you're getting that support that you need, whether it's in a friend, whether it's with a coach, whether it's with me or whether it's just with your family. Yeah. It matters and it matters because you matter. Well, I think you shared with me your favorite quote, right? There's no effort without error and shortcoming at the worst. If she fails, at least fails while daring greatly. My play shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. Theodore Roosevelt from Man in the Arena speech. Yeah, I think... I talk about failure so much because I just want to normalize it, that it is not okay something to, to be a, yeah, that everyone fails all the time. There is no greatness without that failure, without that shortcoming, but we have been told that it's supposed to be a clean route from here to perfection. It's just a lie. Yeah. It's just made up. Yeah. There's not actually perfection doesn't actually exist. Like you can't find a perfect flower. You can't find a perfect blade of grass. You can't find perfection in the world because it doesn't exist. Exactly. Smash Smash perfection. And stop working towards it as the ideal because, I mean, even the definition of ideal is like the cream of the crop. So the more I can talk about failure to people, the more I can normalize that failure is a part of the process, not a thing that you should avoid. The more we can talk about um, the idea that we all have something great inside of us. And when we get to dare greatly because we're no longer afraid of falling and having mud in our face and everyone pointing and looking at us and instead being like, oh, it's another bit of mud. It's fine. I think that's when we actually unlock so much potential um, and amazingness and greatness that people already have. That's awesome. I love it. Dare greatly. Be Teflon. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Emily. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah.